number right there, this is no bullshit. This is real. This is I'd real. say it's reality. If gangster is reality, I guess that's it. Gangster is cool. <laughs> I never intended to rap in my life. I had a little money, I started a record company, and ended up rapping about stuff that I've been through. Dre was good as a producer. Ice Cube was a good writer and rapper. Ren was a strong rapper and writer. And Yellow was a producer. And then myself. You had everybody from New York rapping about my Adidas and my chain, this and this and South Bronx and everything. I wanted to put my city on the map. I'm from Compton. I know about Compton. This is what I've been through. This is what I want to rap about. So we formed NWA. We just took it to another level. Just told it how it was, you know, without holding back. It's no different than the news. The news, we just telling it like it is, not holding back and using the explicit lyrics. It's like being an underground reporter. I've been through all all the stuff. Whether it was a dope dealing, the gun. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to RNC Radio, the podcast. I'm Justin, and I am joined by a ghost. I can't even believe he's here in front of us in a physical form. Josh Pease is here. Hey, man. I'm back. Ghost, no power. <laughs> <laughs> and now, it has been uh, about three months since Damn. we've done, <laughs> since we've done Damn, RNC sorry, Radio. Folks, we, won't, we won't leave you like this ever again. I'm the, sorry. The last, it, the last episode we did was from this, it emanated from this very place. Uh, we had the, the uh, Anwar Carrots episode. And thanks to everybody who listened to that months ago. And then since then, it's been radio silent. It's been, you know, yeah. we, we don't really know what happened there. As, uh, as Birdman says, we were on a hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the longest hiatus. And, and since then, I mean, you know, it hasn't been all sad. Since then, we've, we've grown as, as a brand uh, just based off of, like, RC Radio was one of the second shows that we that we made for this brand. And we've grown. And, like, how do you, how do you feel about the growth of RNC in our absence? The growth is amazing. We've got, like, what, four new shows? Four or five new shows, yeah. Four new shows, new uh, playlists. I'm super proud and excited about the uh, In Before a Million playlist. Or yeah. Really. Um, I just think that's just a dope little platform for, like, the underground and, like, to show what we're really, really listening to and, yeah. like, what we really like. So. Look out for that in the coming weeks. No, it's out. Oh, yeah, it's out, but, you know, updated <laughs> next month, I think. Yeah, updated next month. It is a Spotify-exclusive yeah. uh, playlist that features all, all the songs on the playlist are under a million plays. Yep. Uh, so this is from, it could be literally anyone, but it has to be under a million plays. That is the rule. And check that out and, and see, you know, what songs did you like? What artists did you feel like we missed? And we'll take that into consideration for next month's update. But that's just an example of what we do here at RNC Radio. And, and now with that, we are back on the official flagship RNC Radio podcast. We, we've, it went weekly, then we went bi-weekly, then we went monthly. Now what are we, are we tri-monthly? I don't know, man. We gotta get on the schedule. <laughs> We're like, whatever, whatever monthly. <laughs> We're taking a step at a time. Man. Yeah, one We're step. here right now. <laughs> one step at a time. Uh, and of course, it's me and Josh Pease. We also have a, another guest here. He, he's going to be running the boards for us, so to speak. Our guy, Cam Hay. What's going on, brother? Um, I'm feeling good. How y'all You're talking way too low. Like, why are you trying to hit the sexy voice? Like, <laughs> I, I'm not even on front. That was a very Hulk Hogan, brother. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah. I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm straight. I'm so straight, we'll, we'll be doing fact checking because we're actually going to be doing like a historical episode here. Okay. Uh, just talking about really kind of like the, the, the movement and the creation and, and the legacy of N.W.A. Straight Outta Compton album. It's only right that we be in L.A. talking about this. Uh, and on the day that it comes out, the, the, the uh, day this comes out will be the 8th. 
and that's going to be the day that uh, Shredder Compton actually came out in stores in 1988. Big, big, big day for hip hop. And so if we say anything wrong, we fuck up anything, we get some numbers wrong. Hey, I need you to help me out. Got you. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So just before we do that, just just some some little small banter stuff. Have you listened to Astro World, Josh? I have. I like it. I'm, um, it's funny. It kind of like it was one of those slow burners that had to like grow on me, but I I've listened to it throughout the weekend. Uh, I keep coming back to Yosemite. That's my favorite song. That song is good. That's the first song I played when I got in my car this morning. Like, that song, it's the, the beat sticks in your head. Yeah. And I got shout out to Turbo because he always has like those acoustic guitar beats that like yeah, that's damn near a country song. Yeah, it is. Keep for the bucks. So. I feel like Sold Out Dates is like a like a jazz song too. Like Sold Out <laughs> Dates is a really good song. That's another Turbo beat. Oh, OK is kind of like. From uh, Drip Season Three is another example of a beat that has like he's, he's just always got these like acoustic guitar beats. Like, is it? I wonder if he plays those in house. Probably. I don't know. I, I, maybe it's Q beats because everybody's got the Q beat sound pack these days. <laughs> but yeah, nah. Shout out to Turbo. That song is. I, I mean, shout out to Gunner. That's the person who deserves the most praise for that track. I think just the way he sets it off. I guess his verse is considered a chorus, but. That's a verse. That's a long ass chorus. Hey, hey, that's a verse to me. He got to kind of gas that. Song. And the way that he and Travis kind of weave in and out of that that song is kind of like wow. Like he's finally he's finally made it there. You know, and it's it's a lot different than when like Thug and him kind of go back and forth. It's like okay, you're seeing Gunna next to what? I mean, hate it or love it, he's like Travis is now considered a top tier talent. He's a he's a he's a guy now. You know, and uh, Astro World's projected to do at least four hundred and fifty thousand units by the time this comes out it could be 500k because of a new form of kind of promotion and, and release that they're doing now where they're uh releasing the album with merch so every piece of merch that you release uh comes with a copy of the album and i could correct me if i'm wrong every piece counts as an album so if i buy three different things three different shirts that doesn't count as one thing it counts as three different albums yeah pure sale too so it's like that's an album buy a download like not a stream that's so. crazy no, I mean, it's funny. People have done it before. I think this idea is, is best suited for an artist like Travis because he's so fashionable and he has such crazy designs. So, like, he's literally putting out eight pieces of merch every day mm-hmm. for, like, the last, what, how many days? Is uh, it's a so week. week. Yeah, so for a week, <laughs> seven days, eight pieces of merch pretty much. Probably more than that. I'm just guessing with that number. But that's amazing. That's yeah. dope. Like, that's, you know, gaming the system and really figuring out ways around <laughs> the new... Uh, R-A-double-I Whatever the fuck R-I-double-A Yeah whatever the fuck it is And I, actually I think that we The last time we dropped Was around Around the yay time And they were doing uh, Merch stuff too Yeah But I don't think An album was attached to that I think it was just Straight merch Yeah that he was time. doing Straight merch I mean his game plan Wasn't even all the way together To even <laughs> figure it out Yeah But uh yeah, nah, man. I think uh, you know this is it's a special time in music right now. So like every release, we're figuring out different ways to be creative and you know pad the numbers. So it's dope. It's a and that that to me is a is I want to say it's a, a pad. I think it's a it's a it's a a compliment to the music because it's like it's showing not only can I sell records, but my fans will go out and buy merch. I don't know when the merch bubble will burst. I'm I pretty sure. Will. I think. Um, the clothing bubble will burst before the merch bubble yeah. like it already has like you know back in the day there was kids wearing Diamond Supply the hundreds and the other streetwear brands were kind of emerging in the early 2000s and now it's like Travis Scott's a streetwear brand mm-hmm. you know uh, Brock Hampton is a streetwear brand Bieber was a streetwear yeah. brand <laughs> so it, it's, it's just a different um, 
it's the same consumer but a different product and it's coming from a different place and I yeah. think you know artists and musicians are always going to be the trendsetters and the, the cool guys so like we're always going to want to dress like them and wear what they wear so mm-hmm. as long as they continue to pump out merch I think it'll always be a market for that absolutely and I, as far as the album I think that I still think I like Birds better than Astro World. I think this is probably his second best album to me. Uh, I can't compare him yet. I got to give it a really good, clean listen all the way through. But I think um, for me, I feel like this is his most mature album, without a doubt. Yeah. Like I feel like this is Travis Scott finally coming into his own and um, you know really speaking about topics that aren't just. Uh, even though I mean, not to say his topics are ever childish, but like now it's like all right, he has a kid. Mm-hmm. He's kind of adjusting that a little bit. He's talking about his girl. Like she's on the cover of Forbes. Like. It's a little more grown, like it's a little, it's a different stunt than it was the last album. Still super nasty. It's a <laughs> nasty ass album. Like there is some shit up there that I can't play around my mother at all. I'm pretty sure he can't play it around his either. But I, I think just as a whole, to me, what sticks out, and I think it always sticks out to me, is the production on these albums are always top notch, and it's from a group of producers. Like I'm, of course, Mike Dean is the mastermind, the sensei of all of this. But the group of producers that he play, that he actually does the music with, it's like you're hearing them on beats and you're hearing them do beats that they've never done before. And I think that's the strongest thing to me is that he, he brings out the best in people in a way that I feel as though it's what I feel like Khaled used to do. And I feel like I said this before. I was like, Travis Scott is like the, like the new Khaled or like kind of like a, a, a compliment to a DJ Khaled where he's like, he, he's, more he's musically inclined. Yeah. Way more musically inclined. He's, he's putting together people on these albums that you want to hear. You want to hear Gunna. I don't think on the new Khaled album we're going to hear Gunna at all. We're not going to hear Gunna. We're not going to hear new guys like Don Tolliver who are on this album. We're going to hear the same. We're going to hear Quavo, Justin Bieber. And that's a, that's, a, that's a formula that works for him. But I think that for Travis Scott, he's someone who's always, I think, one of the, he's one of hip-hop's biggest tastemakers right now in, in, a, in a lot of ways. And the way that he brings everything together is, is, a, is a cool way to, to do it. But... Uh, Astro is definitely to me a standout for the summer. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like I think I think Travis always had that in him. Yeah, like, I think from the very start of Travis' career, he was always an executive executive producer, always a great A and R, and just always a good producer. So like him, you know, bringing Gunnin together and, and putting him on that track, or bringing Don Tolliver, or putting Shaq West next to uh, Drake and yeah, Drake and and Juice World, and kind of taking <clears throat> these different people. Who are like super talented and have their sounds and bring them together to create the Travis Scott sound is is dope. Like I've always appreciated appreciated that about Travis's music. So he's just getting better and better at it. I think you know once he's settled and retired in his career, like he's gonna be uh, 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 you know L.A. Reid, uh, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis. Yeah. Like a you know he has a great business acumen. So far he's been doing great in that space, and I think just the music side of it, he really knows that well. So maybe his respect and just talk. Huge fan, huge fan of that. I, I, actually, I just this is breaking news. The off the white off white Prestos are going to be on Nike sneakers tomorrow. So just make sure that you guys get that in. Yes, sir. I saw Josh looking at mine, and I knew he was upset. So no, I don't. That's funny. I don't even um. I don't wear. Oh boy. Workout <laughs> shoes. <laughs> so I wasn't really that uh that juice to get them. I mean, if I get them, uh. Might flip them, might boss flip nigga them. discount already. <laughs> <laughs> we're not even ten. Are we ten minutes in? Are we ten minutes? No, yeah, we're ten minutes in. Boss nigga discount already. Cha ching! It's already going down. Yeah, it's already going down. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually it's been like a couple of weeks and months of us not having this show. Like a lot of new artists have emerged. Like Juice World 
and you mentioned him. He's on the he's on Astro World as well. How do you yeah. feel about like kind of like the rise of Juice World and like emo? Is it emo rap or is I it? I, it's funny to me. Like first of all, I'm a Juice World fan. Like I, I from the first couple songs I heard, I'm like okay, like I get it. Like I think um, you know the music that he's making has been bubbling for a little bit of time. Like you had kind of X making the same type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know. Uh, so many so many new guys that, yeah in that lane it's a little toenail that. there's a whole bunch of <laughs> people out there but I think for me uh, I think Juice World shit is kind of is, is just way more advanced than a lot of these other guys because the songwriting is so good yeah like if you really study the songwriting and study this like just songs music like you'll see that like the melodies and the words he's putting together is just really good so I think that's why I appreciate it. I mean, the topics are what all the uh, current rap generations kind of talk about: Xanax and drugs and girls. He talks and about broken. He talks about explicitly wanting to die and overdose in these songs. And I, I, my thing is though, like, has the other rappers not been doing that? But they've just been doing it in a, a cool way. Yeah. Where it's like so. It seems. I mean, shit. What was the future song where he was basically talking Coding about coding crazy? Yeah, like come on, like and we love that song. <laughs> so I mean, Juice World's just doing what you know people before him been doing, but I think it's so deep and the, and the songwriting is so good that yeah. it, it hits people on a different level. They're like, oh shit, this kid's really hurt. <laughs> I'm undecided on him, but I, I think I said this the other day in a in a chat. Like, if he, I feel like he's speaking from the perspective of a like a like someone who is addicted to this stuff and wants to get clean or, or how they feel in that moment. And if that's if that's what it is, and that's pretty poetic, that's pretty cool to me. I don't know if I like it, but like if, if it's helping the kids, then then I'm cool with that. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like it. I, it's funny to me, like, <laughs> I honestly find myself bumping his project and just being like, just letting it ride. Like, it's Sad a cool boy. Vibe. Sad boy Josh. Never thought, I, never thought I'd see I that. I wouldn't call myself that. But Sad boy Josh. Cool. Didn't know that. Didn't and know and I will, boy. on top of that, besides Juice World just making good music, like, he really impressed me with that Westwood uh, interview. Like, just bars. Like, I think a lot of people don't give that new generation credit for actually being able to rap. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, when's the Funk, Funk Flex interview? Because I'm waiting for him to go to Funk Flex oh, and dog, just really Funk, light it up. Flex like, is not... He's not inviting Juice World, yo. Why not? Because he's he only... Like, I feel like Flex will only go towards you that way if you're already positioned that we'll, way. We'll let G Herbo walk him in. And then, <laughs> <out>. <laughs> and then walk away. Isn't G Herbo his manager? Nah, Lil Bibby. Lil Bibby's the manager. Bibby. Yeah, Lil Bibby's But nah, speaking of G Herbo, so that's another project that dropped recently that I've been playing. Um, Swervo. Yeah, dog. I, I like G Herbo. I like Southside. I don't know if that's the best combination. <laughs> but I, I, I do think, like, there's some songs in there that are dope. I just want to hear G Herbo, like, make that complete album. Yeah. Like, I want... I just want that complete album from him. I think he just really needs to get with a dope band. Or G Herbo and, and, and uh, Sycamore, out of here. Yeah. G Herbo and Brock, A&R, uh, Interscope, out of here. Mm-hmm. So I just want to kind of see that and then see what happens from there. I feel like the... Uh the Who Run It freestyle kind of paved the way for this whole mixtape project. Yeah, I, I don't think there would be a project without the Who yeah, Run It freestyle. It would, it, would, it would be nothing. He said it. And that's the thing. G. Herbo was so honest with his music. He started that song. He like, this shit then got the most views I know anything <laughs> I ever put out. Like, literally, he got a million views on an Instagram story for a freestyle that was just him just going up to, like, who was it, DJ Cosmic yeah. Kev? That's a random DJ, by the way. Like, just to go, that's not Funk Flex. That's not Philly Fell. That's not LA Leakers. That's Cosmic Kev. He went up there and torched that shit. Like that was a real moment. That's why, like, that's why I like hip hop and I like, you know, where you know. I think that's a real moment in time. Like I think when people look back at the great uh, radio freestyles, mm-hmm. Jay Z Grammy freestyle, 
G Herbo who running freestyle. It's right up there. So. It's, you got to get the video component when him and his manager are like bopping back and forth. No, that's the fucking DJ. <laughs> the D- oh, fuck. It was DJ. You're right. You're that's right. You're right. The, you're that's right. why it's so dope. <laughs> Cosmic Cash, shout out to you. You need a fucking uh, Adjusto mixtape DJ award. <laughs> We're going to bring that back just for you because uh, you, you brought the energy today. Why'd they stop doing the Justo mixtape awards? I remember. Uh, that shit was getting shot up. <laughs> getting dragged off stage. Oh, shit. Speaking of shot up. I hate to say that so excitedly. Man. It was Zone Six Day over the weekend. Oh my goodness, <laughs> man! Nah, hey, hey, what the to- fuck is Zone Six Day? Shout out to East Atlanta, man. That's uh, you know, Zone Six has has bred some real bosses in rap <laughs> and and just in life <laughs> and the trap or whatever you want to call it. So like, I think that's dope that they're coming together and having like a day to just celebrate the community. Like yeah. I heard that uh, it was organized by Big Bank. Uh, 21 put up some money for it. I heard uh, Scooter did. I superstar heard. Big Bank, who was starred in, in Superfly oh, yeah, earlier Superfly. this summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, uh, Oscar nominated in the second. <laughs> <laughs> he was great in Superfly. Yeah. I think he was one of the only shining moments in that movie. You haven't seen it yet, have you? No, I haven't. Jesus it's funny, Christ. I worked on the movie and I didn't get a chance to see it, but uh, oh, I'll, I'll catch it. It's yeah, funny. I, I, I'll, I'll, now, right there. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, you know, I mean, I worked on the movie. I did some of the marketing around that. Shout out to, you know, uh, who was that? Universal. Uh, it was. They blend into. It wasn't Universal. It wasn't Universal. Who did Superfly? I don't can't remember. It was like a Joel Silver production, though. Was it Warner? No, I don't think it was Warner. Come on, fact was... checker, Ken. What are you doing? Warner for Superfly. Yeah, look was, that oh, up. Oh, it's Columbia. I'm it's sorry. Columbia. Yeah, Sony. 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 Yeah. There you go. Sony. Makes Columbia. sense because Epic yeah. did the soundtrack. Oh yeah, there you um, go. Yeah, but but they they basically was it at a park? Was at a park? Yeah, it was at a park. It was at a park in East Atlanta. It was just really, I, I mean, I wasn't there. I was on the ground. I talked to some people who were there. It was really just like a big picnic and like, you know, just people coming out, driving their cars and doing whatever fuck people do at picnics. I don't know. like With a basketball. To, and I feel as though like this basketball game that they had, <laughs> it was covered. Like the whole. That shit reminded me of basketball games in jail. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, why the fuck is everybody? Like, it wasn't like, you know, usually basketball games are it's like. Everybody's behind the half court line. Yeah. Like everybody on the out of balance line, like standing there. No, these niggas was around the key. <laughs> <laughs> like literally there was no three point line. Like everybody was just around the key. And then you had um what's the kid's name? Osiris? Osiris. Yo, he looked frustrated as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I seen someone hit a jumper in his eye. This nigga let out the biggest side of his life. He's like, yeah, well, if they could all move out the way, maybe Yo. I can. I look, he looks scared. Everyone looks scared. Not even scared. It's like, he's not from Atlanta, I don't think. So no. it's just like, bro, I wouldn't even play in that game. There <laughs> <laughs> ain't no winning. You're not about to walk off the court. So, I don't know, man. How do you how do you foul 21 Savage with all of all the PDE right next man. to you? <laughs> and I, I just looked at that video. I was like, man, I would. Number one, I didn't know, I didn't know Savage had moves like that. <laughs> I mean, Savage play like that. Uh, Savage probably the best nigga at the YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like bad. I was like, oh shit, like okay, like he ain't he ain't awkward. It yeah. ain't like like I watched Meat Mill and Future play the other day in jeans, and I was like, <laughs> y'all niggas taking the craziest layups. But nah, uh, Savage was a lot uh, was a little bit better than that. But um, yeah, nah, that's but, uh, shit. I, I want to see uh. When's the next All Star Game, man? We need this real celebrity game cracking. Like last year, Snoop and Two Chains did it, but and I think, YG did one too. Oh yeah, YG did one. I, I really need to see the best of the best. Like I want to see what 
what, what number Savage gonna put up? I want to see what, what zone is uh, YFN Lucci from? Because he's actually pretty good. I think he might be from like zone one or zone three or something. He, like I think he West Side. I think zone one. I think. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, Lucci actually pretty good at basketball. Quavo, of course. Quavo could you nice. could you get Quavo at this point? Yeah. I mean, shit. He's too like. He just did the uh, the flag football game for his birthday. Yeah. I, I think that obviously positive thing for that community as well. Uh, I, I don't know what happened, but apparently someone shot hey, man. themselves. <laughs> we got the official press release from Young Scooter. <laughs> Hold on, we got that this morning. Hold on, let me let me go. Yeah, let me, let me bring this up. Let me bring this up. Let me bring this up. Uh, wow. So Young Scooter has been w- really one of the biggest supporters of Zone Six. Yeah, he's a Zone Six uh, vice chairman, <laughs> chairman of the board. So uh, where, where's that tweet at? Let me find this tweet that, that Scooter had. And someone basically went on his... Uh, he basically said thanks to everyone who came out to Zone 6 Day. I uh, appreciate everybody for coming out. It, it was, you know, it was, it was a great day. Uh, and someone said, nigga, it got shot up. What do you mean? Then Young Scooter said, nigga shot itself. Stupid. Nobody want no fame for shooting at us. Trust me, we do magic tricks. And man, just uh, I saw uh, I saw Big Bang kind of comment on it too. Like, you know, the nigga shot himself in the ankle. <laughs> <laughs> He must have been a dancer with his gun or something. <laughs> 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 That's a trend in the streets these days. But let's, I mean, be clear. Scooter has some of the best Instagram captions in the world. Like, there's a there's a caption he had just yesterday. Where it's him and, and Future's brother. Which no one believes that's Future's brother, but it's I'm like, casino. But if you look at Future's kids, yeah, they, they look, look like, like casino. casino. Yeah, they look like <laughs> casino. So, <laughs> it's his real brother. It's crazy. So like, it's, it's young Scooter and Casino talking, and young Scooter saying he's saying, bro, he's asking for his money back, and Casino says, shit, just throw the phone out the window. That's the best advice you could ever have. Like, if I ever see, if I'm ever in the car at the end of you motherfuckers and I see you just throw your phone out the window, I'm not asking why you did that. I already know it's some shit. But yeah, shout out to Zone 6 Day and everybody in Atlanta and everybody who went to Zone 6 Day. Stay safe out there. Uh, we we want to see that happen again next year, for sure. Yeah, man, let's get some sponsors involved, man. Let's go put some money in your community. Bring Snoop down. Bring Snoop out. Marvel needs to get in on that shit. They, they film in Atlanta every fucking day. Yeah, get Marvel in that shit. Sony films out there all the time. Walking Come Dead. On. Walking Dead, yeah, for sure. They all film out there. T, uh, TNT, TBS, get Kenny Smith out there to, to commentate on the Zone 6 basketball the game. The one-on-one tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Have Saw Baby out there, uh, you know what I'm saying, in, in the game too. Shit. But let's get into the main crux of this episode. We're talking about NWA straight out of Compton. That was a moment in, in kind of L.A. history. And in the, at the time, in 1988, we're coming off of kind of like the end of, of Reagan's tenure as president. We have a lot of shit going down. Iran-Contra, uh, just a lot of like bullshit going on with, with politics. But also within like the, the micro level, you have Los Angeles in itself and South Central in specific. It's all fucked up. Uh, crack is reigning supreme. Gang violence is at, at its all-time high, uh, and there's not really a lot of escape for people who lived in that that area until you had NWA, and more, I mean, more specifically, you had Eazy-E, then you had NWA. Uh, at that time, it wasn't, you know, it was it was kind of like unheard of for the West Coast to really have a a stranglehold on music as it did, because all it was really known for was like funk and G-funk and shit like that. Kind of like NWA went left of that. Yeah, I think it's funny. Uh, the West Coast music early on was known for like it was like dance music. Yeah, you know, you had uh, it was almost it was like the stepchild of, of disco almost. Yeah. Like you kind of had the shiny suits, but then it was the harder beats and like 
people really just you know going to like the club and dancing having dance offs and like they LA and, and not even LA but just West Coast hip hop wasn't really wasn't established yet mm-hmm. so I think you know what NWA came into the picture and what they brought was like it was showcasing you know real West Coast gangster rap but it also had a political twist and I think that was really like dope about their music and something that I really appreciated about it like besides all the shit that was like scary about the music it was super political and um it really just spoke for you know the 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 gangster rapper who really was wondering why yeah like why am I in this why is this going on like what why are my circumstances like this and it was like it was also like why is this happening but why am I doing this and I think that was the the biggest uh, thing that you could take away from it now in 1988 I was only one years old Josh you were not even a twinkle in anyone's eye uh, Cam, you were, I don't, you were nothing. <laughs> you, you were nowhere. No you, you were. When were you born, Cam? Ninety five. Jesus Christ. Were still in high school in eighty eight. They were freshmen. Damn. Ooh. You came out the year the PlayStation came out. <laughs> yeah. That shit's insane. That's wild. Man, my parents are still in high school. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Niggas is old. But uh, I, I think a lot. I don't think that I. Not gained an appreciation, but I don't think I knew what Straight Outta Compton was. It's gonna be funny as shit. I didn't know what it was to see before it came out, and that's the Chris Rock uh, kind of uh, this is Spinal Tap uh, movie where it kind of references NWA obliquely. It was kind of like a comedy movie about the rise and fall of NWA uh, with uh, Straight Outta Low Cash and, and CB4 that whole group. And then I went back and listened to NWA, and I was like, that's where all this shit is coming from. And at that point, I was like. This doesn't sound like anything from the West Coast. It's not. There's no guitars. There's no funk. It sounded like Bomb Squad, Boogie Down production stuff, which is interesting and ironic because Dre samples a lot of that on the on the album. What did you think of in uh, Strata Company when you first heard it, or what age did you did you hear that? I'm trying to think when I first heard it. I mean, it's funny just growing up in in LA like that shit. You hear it when you get into the first. Like I've heard it when I was one, probably. Yeah. Like honestly, like <laughs> so I can't really say when I first heard it. I think the first time I really sat down and was like, "Yo, I'm about to listen to NWA's first album." I probably was in like maybe like fifth or sixth grade, mm-hmm. and uh, I just remember it so vividly because um, I think they re-released it at Target or something like that, and I ended up just going and like stealing it. <laughs> I stole that in like a Young Guns album. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 which Young Guns album was that? Was that that Brotherly Love? Tough love. Tough love. Yeah, yeah. So this must have been 2004. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just remember, like, stuff in this. I remember it was sixth grade, now that I think about it. I just remember, like, I was at the Target, and I was like, all right, I'm about to grab some CDs. <laughs> and it was NWA, and it was Young Guns. I was like, all right. You pulled a flock on Target. That's fucked up. I mean, shit. It wasn't the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the last. Boss nigga discount. Exactly. That was the originator of the boss nigga <laughs> discount. Just five finger swipe. <laughs> But, um, so yeah, no, nah, I listened to the album and I think for me, it was just dope to be like, all right, like this is where, like, this is where that West Coast sound originated at. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, growing up, when I grew up, like you had Dre and you had like Aftermath and how you actually didn't like the, the 50 Cents and M&Ms of the world. And, and it was already there. That, it was yeah, already there. Exactly. And even before that, you had like the Death Row era. But like to know that like Dre came from this before that was really dope. And then I think the thing that stood out to me the most about that was one Express Yourself which was Dre's solo song mm-hmm. where I believe Ren wrote yeah. but that song was just so strong and powerful and I was like okay Dre like really talking about some shit like this is his real like political moment and then um, so that was like the first thing that stood out 
And then I think the second thing that stood out to me was just um, it was really that like, yo, this music isn't the shoot 'em up, bang bang shit that everybody told me it was. Yeah. Like once I listened to it, I'm like, oh shit! Like these niggas is talking about real issues, real problems, and like it was insightful. Yeah. After <laughs> listening to it for me, I'm like, damn, this is damn near conscious. <laughs> like literally, this is conscious rap. Like it's just it's coming from a, a you know it's coming the way they're delivering it is a very uh abu- not abusive but abrasive. You know, tone and manner, and just the things they're talking about, or like they're using curse words and they're talking about the dirtiest and grimiest shit. But it's conscious in the base of it. Yeah. So that was something that always stuck out to me. And then you get to like, I ain't the one that, which is Ice Cube solo song. When he's talking about, I ain't paying for shit. <laughs> I'm not buying your weave or nothing like that. And I was just like, what? Like that song is super. Like that shit did not age well. You can't make a song like that today. But I, I really appreciated Strata Compton, or I still appreciate it to this day. For at the time being incendiary to things that people didn't want to talk about because hip hop was still primarily like a dance party type genre. And then you had this come out and it's like it's right next to the public enemies and it's like okay, there is a there is a, a solid subgenre here where it's like okay, it's truth, it's truth telling. And I think a lot of people at that time heard it. I remember Chris Rock saying that he went to the West Coast and he got Strata Compton when he was filming one time and brought it back to New York. And from that moment, everybody was like, oh, shit, this is how it really is out there. It was kind of like <laughs> it was like a, a, a window into what Los Angeles was like. Uh, and I remember Sinead O'Connor said it was the best hip hop album she's ever heard of and like in her life. I mean, I believe it because it's like before that album, people thought California was surfboards and palm trees. <laughs> so it's like to see that there was a real like there's really shit going on in yeah. the ghetto. Like and then you had a voice as strong and prolific as Ice Cube, like really like landed out like, yo police are harassing us like they're putting drugs in our city like they're the reason why shit's like this like that shit was just it was super powerful and super on point and i'd say the like the biggest legacy behind the album to me was it kind of ushered in death row in a lot of ways like i feel as though if if nwa stays together and cube doesn't leave there's no death row oh without a doubt i think even like you know that shit in Death Row was dope, but like for me, it was Easy E. Yeah. Like when I look back at like great music executives, it starts at Easy E for me, mm-hmm. and then it goes to you know a, a Dame Dash or whoever. Birdman. Not Birdman, but like it starts at Easy E. He was original for all these guys, and I think you know just you know we me and you spoke about uh, you know great like Travis Scott being a great executive producer like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Easy was just a great executive. He had a vision for this music. He had, uh, you know, air for the music. He had a voice for it, and just the charisma. Yeah, it's like that's you know ninety percent of the game. I've noticed is just I'm rising in the ranks of just the music industry and just having a career in this business. Like it's all about charisma and like which you can really, which you can make people feel. And there isn't a better look to me still to this day. The NWA as a whole, but just Easy E being at the middle of that and the sunglasses, the jacket, the all black everything from from that look was like it was carefully curated and that it, it was like we wanted to look militant but we also still wanted to look hood like the raider jackets and, yeah. and the raider hats it was like that is a look that to me timeless and in, in the hip-hop there aren't a lot of timeless well i would say there, there are timeless like like shiny suits obviously but it's like when you think about that you don't think of the shiny suits first you think of what nwa what that looked like first yeah and i think that's that legacy ushered everything in it's like from there it was like Militant rap became kind of cool. It became cool to have rap with a message. And I mean, today we might not hear a lot of, of that. Or I th- actually, I won't even say that. I say there's a lot of artists today that still kind of do that. J. Cole does it. 
Yeah, no, you definitely have, but I think it's not shocking because now it's like, you know, we have the internet. We've been telling this story for 25 years yeah. now. This is the first person to tell this story. Yeah. I think that's why people, you know, they get it twisted. Like, Easy e Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, MC Ren, DJ Yellow were like the first people to like shine a light on this mm-hmm. shit. I want to say, I know, I was thinking of the first album to have like the uh, parental disclaimer on there. I think that was Uncle Luke. But they're like NWA were some of the people who kind of ushered in that era of like censoring music yeah. and like being like yo these kids are saying too much or being censored rather yeah exactly because they, they wanted to they want to completely like ban them all together uh, we'll talk about some of that when we get to the, we'll talk about the movie in a second <clears throat> excuse me but another thing that Strata Compton to me kind of it goes unsaid a lot of times is is how it, it not not goes unsaid but it goes not kind of appreciated is how integral Ice Cube was to the writing and the and the creation of a lot of those songs. Ice Cube is like the MVP of this album, undisputedly. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I think see it's cool. see for me it's like when I think about Ice Cube and NWA, I'm one of the people like, yo, don't forget Ren. Yeah. Cause like I think Ren really were like I wanna say Ren might have taught Ice Cube how to rap. And, like, even though Ice Cube was a star and had the look and the, the voice and the charisma, like, I think Ren is always, like, he wrote a lot of those songs. And he really kind of, like, wrote a lot of easy songs and, like, really helped out. I think he wrote some shit. I think he might have wrote Express Yourself for Dre, honestly. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Ice Cube wrote that. Okay, there you yeah, go. Yeah, Ice Cube wrote that. Yeah, yeah. But I think, just going back to my original point, I think Ren is one of those people who should be, like, you know, highlighted a little bit more in that story. Because, like, even though he never became a star after the group... He was, you he's, know, he's one caking of the ones. off of it right now. Shit, I mean the him and the DLC. Honestly, DLC also integral to Strata Compton. The, the song's opening title and the and the title track from the album, one of the best openers I can think of in in history. And what and really the story on that and that and fuck the police is that a lot of stuff in Strata Compton, we, it's still happening today, and that's the scary part about the album is that all of this shit that they're talking about is still literally happening every day on TV, every day with black people, every day, just period. Police brutality is still, still rampant. Drug use is still rampant. Even gang shit is still rampant. And that's all stuff that they talk about on this album. Yeah. Um, one thing that did, that did carry over, the fact that NWA at the time, they used guns as kind of like a, uh, a character thing. It was something that they, they used to, to kind of bolster up the niggas with, with, uh, with attitude, tagline. Dancing with guns has still happening to this day. Even way back to Smack DVD in the early 2000s, niggas have been having guns pointed at the cameras. Chief Keef had it. Uh, what, what was that? 2011, 2012. Chief Keef uh, don't like video. Guns everywhere. 2011. Rappers. Yeah. 2011. Dancers rap or rappers dancing with guns is kind of like a trope now that yeah, kind of started favorite. from NWA. Yeah, no, nah, without a doubt, it definitely started from NWA. Like I'm literally. I was reading an article earlier, like yesterday actually, and it was um, they were talking about NWA and just like how they had real guns in like their photo shoots and videos, and Ice Cube had the best quote. He was like, "Public Enemy uses plastic guns," you know, <laughs> and it's like that's just such a real like like it's like we're gonna show you what's really going on. Like it was almost like yo, we have guns that the government put in our neighborhood look at this like we have a military gun right here on the cover of our album like i think that was just so dope and cool but just kind of going back to like you know present day you know now it's like the guns in the video is just like that's 
that's needed. Yeah. That's like the uh, the fish eye shot, you know? Like, <laughs> like I looked at, um, I'm a real big fan of this kid out of Florida named uh, LPB Pootie. And, what a uh, name. Yeah, it's a great name, honestly. <laughs> Is there too many new artists coming out every day? Uh, I wouldn't say too many. I think uh, I appreciate it. That's my job is kind of fine artists. So I'm like, yeah, pop up every day. Same yeah. Shit. But uh, it's, it's definitely a lot of them. I think uh, we might be running out of names. <laughs> we might be running out of names. <laughs> Just start using your first and last name. I think that's the most original name you could have. That's true. But uh, this kid, Pootie, like he has a song called Kill the Beat. And uh, first of all, it's filmed inside of a funeral, like home. No. <laughs> and like, it literally, like, it's it's um, three minutes and 25 seconds of literally just dancing with their guns. Like, it's just <laughs> crew. Like, and it's dope. I mean, for me, uh, it's dope to see. I think it's a cool video. Like, it's like a scene where a guy pops out of a casket and he has his gun and he starts <laughs> no. doing this little jig with it. What is it with Florida rappers and funeral homes? Like, rest in peace, uh, XXXTentacion. His final video, he's fighting a corpse or fighting a corpse of himself in that video who hops out of a casket as well. Yeah, that was a wild video. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out the, the, the meaning of that video. I, I, I believe someone said he's trying to fight his old self because it's, it had the, the old, oh, the old, old look. dreads oh. and he had the new version of himself. And I was like, okay, cool. But there are different ways to do that than the, the heavy death imagery, especially yeah. coming out a week after his own death. I just thought it was real bad timing. I mean, I, a little off topic, but still on topic. My very first, or not my very first, but my very favorite funeral home music <laughs> video. Please is, say Cameron. Oh, you love my life. Doubt. Cameron, <laughs> love my life. Cameron, love my life. <laughs> I love it. And it had Nicole Ray in the funeral home. Then, wasn't that actually a, that was a scene in Killer Season? They broke into a music video. Yeah, it was of the musical section of the of the album. Killer Season, classic movie. I wish they would just put it on Netflix already or Hulu. I'm pretty sure you could get it back. Well, he'd have to clear that music. But it's on, it's on Apple Music now, so he, he probably doesn't have to clear that. But uh, Rappers Dancing with Guns, still a, still a huge trope. I, I still think that it is a, it's a bad trope because, obviously, you don't want to have to carry that on to... If you get a an actual gun charge and you're in the court and they say they pull out a TV like the old VCR they they used to use when you had a movie day in class and say well <laughs> allow me to show you Exhibit A this video on World Star before he became a world famous rapper where he had where he was doing a fucking cabbage patch with an AR. <laughs> so it's like you don't want to be like that that rapper. I mean I I think you don't want to be that rapper but I think. The, the guns in the video is just like it's indicative of the society they come from yeah. and like I think that's the thing that needs to be uh, I think if, if artists weren't I mean now it's just become a joke damn there where everybody has a gun in their video and it's like I, I guess it's a, a menacing thing <laughs> but uh, I wish it was like more so like yo this is for survival like this is I have this for a reason yeah Cause I've talked to like a lot of young artists and it's like that come from these areas where it's like yo I need to have a gun and like that shit is like not a joke like yeah. it's like yo I, I really need this to survive <laughs> what's the dancing for man the dance is just I don't know man. I just, <laughs> just like, what's the dancing for <laughs> I can't call it man I think they're just you know happy to be alive we need to have Joe Budden do a uh, investigative piece on rappers dancing with guns he is a detective have you have you listened to his podcast in the past month I have I listened to it's funny it's stellar he, he may be a fan when he did the whole uh, <laughs> the scorpion yeah he broke out scorpion but in particular what's the song we talked about uh, Georgia 
Jaded. Oh, uh, when he broke down Jaded, <laughs> the funniest shit to me about that, now I laugh every time I hear this song, is when he says, uh, when Drake was like, opens it up, and he's like, girls on this side, girls on this side. And Joe Budden's like, yeah, on that side. See, he means like overseas. Like, <laughs> he really broke that down. I'm like, damn, yeah. like, he really meant bitches overseas. He's better, to me, he's better than genius. Oh, like he, he broke it down right. better than genius. Yeah. Like I, I, even even eight out of ten, every song on there, he was broke it all the way down. I I really I really need them to have his own investigative uh, TV show. Where he opens up on like remember like the the old DVD series Beef, the yeah. QD three made. Oh, yeah. He needs to break down beefs and break down <laughs> all of. I'm I'm this is free game. I'm not gonna continue this. But I think <laughs> Joe Budden's podcast is like a stellar a stellar listen. And I think that to me he's a better pundit to me than he ever was. Like a real musician, like I was never really a huge fan of his. He's a better pundit to me. Like new music too never moved me. And <laughs> yeah, he knows his shit. That's right. yeah, he knows his shit. He, he knows of his course shit. he knows. Yeah. No, I think that's why he's so good because it's like he's in the inside. Exactly. So Joe Budden, continue, continue doing what you're doing. I'm I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I, I think that the the funniest thing about the Jaded episode to me was when he said, "You fell for that," and he starts like <laughs> laughing. <laughs> I was just like, "Damn, that shit was fucking hilarious." Uh, but but more on on Sarah Compton, the movie in 2015, that was like its own thing at oh, that yeah. at that point. They were like saying you can't bring bags into it, like out here. They were like you can't bring a bag into the movie. I remember when I went to really? New Orleans? Yeah, they yes, had, they 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 did fucking like pat downs. And shit. They had extra security. Shit like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think. What did I see? I think I just. Oh, they didn't do it for the Tupac movie. They did. They did it. For, they did <laughs> Compton. They were afraid it was gonna be like a race war or something like that broke out. I mean, shit. It, it's funny. Like I think it goes back to what it was like when NWA came out. They showed them like, yo, this is shit really going on happening in our community. And like now, the the movie put that on the big screen and showed them again and, and gave them the gloss version of it, of course. But yeah. like, it was like, yo, like this is. You know, this is what y'all did. Yeah. White people. <laughs> like, this is what y'all did. So, like, I understand, like, you know, at, at the time when the movie came out, they was like, yo, you did this. So, come to the movie theater at your own risk. <laughs> don't pat niggas down, but still, you might get gun butt on the way out. But this was a movie that, in 2015, it, it kind of, uh, people were waiting for it. It had a huge, a huge marketing push. It had the straight out, straight out of blank uh, Instagram caption thing, or Instagram picture thing that I think people have. Everyone did at that at that yeah. point. Beats had a huge campaign behind it. Uh, the soundtrack uh, came with a Dr. Dre soundtrack. It was yeah. it it was completely complete one eighty from the, what the original album was it's, in terms of actual reception. Everyone was waiting for this movie, and they had so many accolades at, at the time. And I think when I saw it, I was like, I was a little, I was left a little cold from it. I, I mean, I, for me, I think I like the movie. I thought it was a good, a good representation of, of you know, of NWA and hip hop. Like I think we don't get that many shots, mm-hmm. which is seen by the Tupac movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like once we get a shot to get a big budget, you know, a big movie out there and do it right, like you know, we might have to omit some critical scenes just to you know get this out there. And I think a lot of people were kind of mad that the whole D Barnes thing wasn't in the movie. And it should have been, but it's like at the end of the day, like you know, we need that shot. Oh, at the at the <laughs> end of the day, Ice Cube and Dr. Dre were consultants <laughs> on that movie. 
There's no way that scene's making it. If there was, if this is a scene without their blessing, if this is a movie without their blessing, that scene's making it in for sure. I mean, even Jerry Heller, the uh, the manager, I think that we we haven't even really spoke about Heller and his contribution, so to speak, <laughs> to NWA. But he he sued them for saying that they took parts of his auto uh, autobiography without his permission. Uh, Jerry Heller, w- w- would you say? What would you say? That, is he like the Leo Cohen of the time? Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, I mean, I can't. I, I like you know, he was a white man who saw opportunity. Yeah, and I, I at the end of the day, Easy E saw an opportunity in that white man. So like, I think it was a give and take situation, and like, ultimately the relationship deteriorated, and it wasn't you know, it it, it kind of ended in a, a a weird place. Yeah, but there were two entities that needed each other at the time, and like you know, that's just how it worked out. Like I think I'm not mad at Jerry Heller. I think. I don't think he like took advantage of the culture or anything mm-hmm. like that. I just think you know he saw an opportunity and and and, and Easy saw opportunity in him and they met. <laughs> I think that it's funny that uh, one thing in the movie that still sticks out to me when I I, I said I let out a big fuck out of here in the theater when I saw it when Easy E was driving and he sees the Chronic billboard. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and he stops and looks at it. And it's like so dramatic and like movie like, and I'm just like that didn't happen. Yeah, I love that shit. <laughs> Honestly, and I, I mean, this is coming from a guy. I mean, I'm an Easy fan, so it is what it is. I, I, I will say the way Easy was portrayed towards the end of the movie kind of tried to make him look like a sucker, <laughs> and I wasn't cool with that. But you know, it is what it is. Oh, he was absolutely like he get. Honestly, Easy got AIDS in the movie like out of yeah. thin air. He started coughing and then the nigga, <laughs> yeah, he was in the hospital. Yeah, like the AIDS thing was was weird to me. Well, another thing that was weird to me was the uh, the scene in New York where they saw uh, who did they see in the club? Cube in the club. When like yeah, Bone when, Thugs. when they had like uh, Squash the beat. Yeah, it was like Bone Thugs. Yeah, so like, Bone Thugs. He was with them. Yeah, that was a that was a weird scene to me. I just was like, uh, that didn't happen. It was I, I think I heard something similar like that. It might have happened, but it just it came off weird in the movie. Just the wildest scene was Tupac recording fucking oh Lakeith Stanfield. Oh yeah, bro. yeah, that was yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> the timeline was fucking <laughs> that whole shit. <laughs> Uh, but everything I mean as a whole I felt like it was well made I think more than F. Gary Gray you can't you know he's one of the one of the best directors to me of movies like this I'll say but <laughs> I, I think that just looking back on it I don't, I don't know if the movie to me aged well like the last the last scene in, in the movie is, is when Suge doesn't beat Dre's ass and he turns around and says I'm starting a new label he's like what are you gonna call this shit with aftermath and then it's over and I'm just like get the <laughs> fuck out of here this is some Avengers shit like this movie is literally like the the the, the hip hop version of a Marvel movie because a lot of this shit is like the the the, uh, the show in Detroit where they put they do fuck the police and they got run off I'm just like no that shit didn't happen well I heard so, I heard some shit like that happen like it's funny like the story I heard like these stories kind of happen but like they're embellished of course they movified it yeah like there's the scene in the hotel like with the girls yeah. and stuff, I heard that really happened. With by Felicia? Exactly. I don't know if it's that <laughs> long, but I mean, I heard that happen with some, you know. I heard that from some of my That's OGs. That's believable, though, too. Like, that that was a believable scene. Yeah. But yeah, the by Felicia shit. By yeah. Felicia shit did not happen. I mean, that didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> like, if they the scene from a movie he, he wrote. <laughs> oh, when he's writing Friday. <laughs> when he's writing Friday, it was, that was, shit was crazy. When he's writing Friday, I was like, all right, this movie's getting a little bit too BET for me right now. <laughs> But I thought O'Shea Jackson uh, Jr. was, to me, the standout of that. 
Yeah, but I mean, he's playing his dad. He's <laughs> been around him for like all his life. Yeah, but can, just like do you think a hip hop story? I mean, we're saying this a, a year removed from All Eyes on Me, but do you think a hip hop story like this can ever be told again? Like, realistically, in, in that way? Like, what story could be told? As like, well as they did it? As well as they did. Could a cash money movie. Say maybe cash money. Man, if it's a cash money movie, I need the real money. I need it. Say it's probably going to be a little sugar coated as well. They, They're going to make the Burbank. Little Wayne movie? <laughs> it's off the chains, <laughs> bruh. BG doing heroin at like 14. Yeah. Crazy. Wayne getting shot, getting wash, rescued by the police officer. Turk oh. going to prison. Oh my God, that would be the greatest movie. I mean, just the shooting of, of the, the Bling Bling video alone. The <laughs> uh, Juvenile losing a ring. Somebody oh. going to dive under for it. When they had that show where, where Birdman was like, I fuck with niggas too. They got to do that show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. Never heard of it. Bring these real niggas on stage. Bring they been fucking with a nigga all night. They got to do that shit in the movie. I think a Cash Money Before Everything movie needs to happen in the next decade. But you have to. It has to be like Wayne obviously has to give his permission. Do you think at that point like Wayne would be like, yes, I will? Because like it's gonna be a weird movie because Birdman's gonna want to tell his side and Wayne's gonna want to tell his side, and I don't know what's gonna congeal and actually happen when that happens. I mean, my thing is, it, it has to be the. Uh, for me, it's the Little Wayne story. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. I think. Because um, everyone else kind of falls off. Yeah. He's the only so one that stays. Like, yeah, and it's like, even when he stays, you see, like, you know, the, the later end of, of Little Wayne's career, the seizures, the kids, mm-hmm. the, the skating, like, all this shit is a piece of his story that needs to be told. Yeah. Like, I want to know what's going on in his mind. And, like, I think that's why it's more important to tell his story. I think. The feud, really. Yeah, the feud, all this shit. Even his relationship with Birdman, mm-hmm. like, that's just a story that hasn't been told. Like, there's not even an interview where they're like, yo. This is what happened. Yeah, or this is why I feel like this. So, I'm waiting for that to be told. I think that's the most exciting hip-hop story that hasn't been told yet. Or Bad Boy. It's the ba- I don't think Bad Boy story is, like, interesting, though. It's not that interesting. I've seen, I've seen people say the same about Rockefeller, and I don't necessarily feel like they're... Yeah, they're Rockefeller's, Rockefeller's not interesting. Not we've, interesting. You know why it's not interesting? Because we've seen it. Yeah. Unless you get Dame Dash story. Yeah. Then it's like, all right. Because, like, the Jay-Z story is like, man, I've been, a ball, I've been on. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> he never had any losses. Yeah, so it's right. like, the Dame Dash story is just like Peaks and Valley yeah. story. You know So there's There's a conflict with Jay. There's, like, him losing his star... Rapper, like yeah. that's a lot. Losing Kanye, losing the upcoming yeah, star rapper like, that he had. Yeah, grabbing Kanye, grabbing Cam, losing all of that. Like mm-hmm. that's a story. So I, I would love to see that. Oh damn, I, you got me one like the Cash Money. Like who the fuck would play Birdman in that movie? Man, I don't know. That would be that. That's like a star making turn. <laughs> that shit would be crazy. Yeah. No, nah, you got to get Jordan Peele to play Birdman. That's a guy. I was thinking like who's like a, a heavy set like. Phase on love. Phase on love. No, he's too old. Yeah, he's too old because he has to be young. Even like, I mean, oh, nah, not Forrest Whitaker. Not Forrest Whitaker. No, no. he could probably smiling. play. No, he could play Slim. Forrest Whitaker could play Slim. Yeah, same eye. Yeah, got the same eye. No, he could play Slim. But let we gotta cast this bird. Let's we're gonna put that on RNC Twitter. <laughs> Fan cast the Cash Money movie. And tell us who you who you'd have in there. We gotta get that. We gotta get Blavity on the job. <laughs> Fan cast that shit. But yeah, straight out of Compton, uh, a, a great mo- a great album that that's led to so much. Is it a perfect album? I mean, I can't call it a perfect album just because like 
You don't believe in perfect albums. Yeah, I really don't. And I think a perfect album, like, the only way a per- an album could be perfect to you is if you grew up when the album came out. Yeah. Because then it's like, it's a feeling, it's a moment. Like, I'm pretty sure Cars are bumping in WA. Like, it's a different little, it's a different um, environment when you're raised around the album and shit like that. So I can't really call it a perfect album. But, um... It's a great album. It's up there. It's 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 a classic. You stole it. Shit. Yeah, it's a classic. I'll go. I'll, without a doubt, call it a classic. I I agree. Completely agree. It's a classic album. But uh, with the, uh, uh, money money on the phone for Josh. Money on the phone. <laughs> so it's the work week, man. It's Monday. <laughs> money on the phone, motherfucker. But but yeah, I, I think it's I think absolutely a great album. Uh, it's been a great great moment here sitting sitting with Josh and, and talking about the experience of growing up around Strata Compton. And being able to listen to it and what it's kind of grown and, and what is what is bred in, in our individual lives. And uh, and for that, I have to say, this is yet another episode of RNC Radio. Josh, thanks for, for coming back on the show. We back. I guess I'll we see back. you again in December. Oh nah, man. <laughs> That's my birthday episode. We got, uh, we got follies. <laughs> Are you going to Atlanta for your birthday this year? No, nah, I'm t- crazy as it may be, I might be going to Minnesota for my birthday. For what? Wow. Oh, for the Sea Prince. Yes. My mom went to Minnesota last month, and she went to the Prince tour. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's bro. If you go on a Tuesday or a Sunday, and I think my birthday falls on a Sunday this year, you could pay like extra and go into one of his studios and record background vocals. No. So I will be doing that. <laughs> what are you gonna say? I'm gonna record whatever's on the sheet. <laughs> She's crying. Like she said that when she walked into Prince's house, there is a uh, there's a big. Like there's a, a, a diorama of the house at the top of the the the, the, the top of the, the ceiling. Yeah. It's actually where his ashes are. Oh shit! So when you walk into it, and then she said like they have napkins like on the table, and she's like, "Why are there napkins there?" She's like, "I guess people must be walking out crying." Oh. But wow. she said that people as soon as you they tell you what it is, everyone in her group started bawling. Like they started wow. crying. That's what the napkins are for. Because you see there's like words written there, there's pictures of him, there's pictures of his family in the actual diorama of the house. Damn. So Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's really fucking crazy. So Minnesota, definitely check out the Prince Tour. You went to J- to the Jamaica also. Oh yeah, I just came back. That shit was amazing, man. I'm going back soon. I went to Jamaica and I actually went to uh, Bob Marley's mausoleum, like where he's buried. Cause he's buried at his old, like the house he grew up in. Yeah. Him and his mom are buried together. And uh, yeah, I ended up going through like seeing his like tomb and like walking in, smoke the blunt there. <laughs> she was dope. No, they encouraged smoking like that. It's funny how much weed is a part of the Jamaican culture and just like how much Bob Marley is a part of Jamaica's culture. Yeah. So like, yeah, they let you smoke there. Uh, I actually left like a bandana that my uh, cousin who passed away had like gave me. He was like a big Bob Marley fan. That's dope. He had like gave me a bandana. I had this shit for like 10 years, I feel like. And I don't know why. Like, I just was, I was in there, and I just like they were like, "Oh yeah, you can leave something." And I didn't bring anything to leave. Yeah. And I had that in my pocket because I carried it everywhere with me, and I was just inclined to just leave it. So I just that's huge. It. Yeah, yeah. So it's really big to to kind of like let go of that that piece to something that was also equally as big in that in that place. But uh, you had some excellent pictures from there as well. I I must say. Oh yeah, you know I had to do it big. <laughs> My man Josh had the chancletas with no socks on, bro. Bro, you know we had the dinner on the beach. We was on the river, on the raft. Niggas is cutting coconut out the tree for us. It was wild, bro. That was a real vibe out there. Bro. Out of town, Josh Peace. Hey, Coming man. soon, brother. 
But uh, once again, thank you for for uh, for being on the show again. I don't even know why I'm thinking you because this is your show as yeah, well. Yeah, it's my fucking show. We'll be, be here. <laughs> we'll, we'll be we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back in uh, two in weeks. Two weeks. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, RNC Radio is officially back. Uh, Wednesdays, you can check us out on RNC Radio. We have a complete slate of shows this week alone we have the a show of course we have this show as well and we have the perfect play on friday we also have a new episode of late fees where we're talking about will smith and <laughs> some of his best and worst movies on that episode as well it's a show that's an episode you will not want to miss so rnc radio this week and just for the foreseeable future is stacked and packed because we also have new shows coming as well we got to talk to cliff man because cliff said labor day on this very show that actually no that was our last episode it was, oh, the Cliff, yeah. it was the Cliff episode. Oh, yeah, it was the Cliff episode. It was the Cliff episode. He said on that very episode, Labor Day, Cooking with Cliff show, it's coming. So we're going to have to call Cliff and see if he's actually going to do that shit. So, Cliff, we on your ass, buddy. Until next time for RNC Radio, I'm Justin for Josh and Cam. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Peace. <laughs>